Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. For Minneapolis and St. Paul music fans, we have a real treat tonight. If you remember going to uh, any number of clubs in the early 1990s, you heard my guest Lisa Wooster at that time playing at places such as uh, uh, First Avenue, uh, Uptown Bar, 7th Street Entry, the 400, the Fine Line Music Cafe, and more. She's performed uh, with such greats as Warren Zavon, Marianne Faithful, the Jayhawks, and Peter Case, among a host of others. She's living out in Massachusetts now, and she's got a great new EP out called Quincy Street EP. We used to kind of hang in the same circles back in the day, and uh, we just kind of reached out to each other a couple of weeks ago. She sent me her new record. It's just fabulous. So we're going to be hearing uh, clips of four tracks uh, on that for the whole show tonight on the Wall of Power Radio War. Welcome, Miss Lisa Michelle Anderson. How are you, Lisa? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. Really appreciate it. I'm so well, excited to talk to you after all these years. After all these years, my goodness gracious, it has been a while. Uh, your new record is just great. I just absolutely love it. Thank you so much. I really, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It feels like it's really one of my most sort of true-to-myself projects I've ever done. Um, it's got a little nostalgic feel to it, but also hope and um, just, I don't know, I just feel like I just have really kind of finally letting my creative um, songwriting has kind of been released. So I'm really excited. Thank you so much. When did you end up in Massachusetts? Gosh, you know, it's been a long time, Paul. Um, I ended up out here in 1998, okay. and I had met my now husband um, through mutual f- friends in Minneapolis when he was visiting his friends that happened to be my friends. Nice. And so, yeah, so um, that was a big decision to leave the Twin Cities, And but I, we always knew that we could return, you know, if that was the choice. So, um, but, you know, the years pass and you kind of get, you know, settled into a new community and I've been here ever since. Well, you have, uh, you have a history of travel in your life, Lisa. I was reading a little bit of your bio and after the divorce of your parents, your mom started a position with the Foreign Service and at the age of 14, the family moved to Australia for three years, then Iran and then Greece. Yes. So, tra- yes. so travel's I, yeah, nothing I, new to you. Well, that's true. And I, I actually graduated from high school in Athens, Greece. And it was really funny because at the time, REM was sort of making a name. And ever, Athens was this big music scene. And people would say, where did you graduate from high school? And I'd say Athens. And <laughs> they had no idea I meant Athens, Greece. Oh, that's funny. But, um, yeah, it definitely runs in the family, the travel bug, definitely. <laughs> now, do you, uh, do you and your husband, do you have any children? We have one 16-year-old son that is very involved in theater and music. And, um, you know, we kind of joke. We say we don't know where he gets it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> So homeschooling now during this time, though, um, and hoping to things will open up again. But definitely, yes. When it's <laughs> when it's safe, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, so now, 
did you immediately start playing when you moved to Massachusetts out there, or did it take a while for you to get your uh, your music chops together and places to play? Um, you know, I started playing when I first moved out here, and but what I was really concentrating on was really sort of um, playing with other people for the for the first time. I had done sort of, I always had a band in Minneapolis, or I'd do solo gigs, but I think I was just really ready to sort of spread out, spread my wings, and and really play with other people. And a really nice surprise was my younger brother. Um, who was from Kansas, moved out here, and ended up being a very prolific um, songwriter and performer. So I played a lot. He goes by the name of Sky Smead. I ended up playing a lot with Sky, helping on various recordings. And then a few years back, uh, very involved with a band for five years called Bell Engine. And also, you know, singing a lot of backing vocals on different people's projects. And But... This is my first um, solo project in a very long time, so I'm really excited about it. It's sort of been brewing, so to speak, and really started to think about the project last fall, and then my friend Johnny Irion said, Lisa, I just started this new studio. You've got to come in here. And I said, I've been thinking about that. So that's how it all started, and we we hit the studio in the beginning of February and finished around the first part of March, tell right the, when everything went upside down. <laughs> yeah, tell the people out there uh, in the Walpaw Radio Hour land who Johnny Irion is because he's got uh, a pretty cool wife yeah. and, and married into yeah, a pretty so cool Johnny, family. Yeah, so Johnny is married into the um, Guthrie family, as in Arlo Guthrie family. He's married to Arlo's daughter, Sarah Lee, and... Um, when we met a few years ago, we discovered that we had many mutual friends from the Twin Cities, um, specifically the Jayhawks and Ed Ackerson. Mm-hmm. And Johnny and his wife had been in the Twin Cities and recorded an album that Ed and Gary had produced. So... Um, we just sort of hit it off in that respect, and we had have done a few shows together. And but it was our first time really working together as far as him producing me and my music. And it was just a really great combination. I just really enjoyed the process. I really because sometimes when you work with a producer, you're not really sure. You know, suggestions might be made that might not go over so well, but we really, you know, sometimes you'd say things like, well, why don't you put an A chord here? And I'd be like, really? You know, <laughs> and then and then I, I'd say, well, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to live with it. And then I'd think, well, he'll, he won't ever remember saying that. So he'll just hopefully will forget it. But then I'd get back into the studio and he'd be like, where's the A chord? I'd be like, oh, <laughs> darn it. Well, you, you know, know, the, uh, the, <laughs> the great uh, joke, how many producers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Right. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. But we, would just, we would just sort of split the difference sometimes. And then, you know, the funny thing is he would usually be right. But I would also be right, too. So, But we'd never, you know, it was just a very easy working relationship and and the the band that played on the EP are just incredible um, friends that I've had out here for years that I've played with and and other the drummer is uh, Don McCauley he um, 
when he's not here, he's usually on the road um, as Charlie Watts drum tech. Wow. And yeah, and just a great drummer, great drummer. And then um, Daniel Carp on guitar. He played with me for years in Bell Engine, and then. Um, Johnny Hartcorn, there's two Johnnies, he um, was in a punk band out in Boston in the 80s called The Neighborhoods, and we had always wanted to play together, and so we took this opportunity, and it was just a really great band, a really great band that helped me out. So. Well, I'll tell you what, that, uh, and we're going to be listening to four tracks off yeah. uh, Lisa Michelle Anderson's new record, but uh, sonically the thing is just popping, it just sounds gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. And it's kind of a... Yeah, we worked really hard on it. <laughs> yeah, well, um, let's not forget, back when Lisa Michelle Anderson was Lisa Wooster, uh, her yeah. first solo recording project, the album Second Look, <clears throat> in 1999, she, uh, came out and she was voted Best Female Singer-Songwriter by the Minnesota Music Academy. Do you miss Minneapolis? Oh, I do. I really do. And we get back every once in a while, not as often as we would like. Um, but fortunately, the whole family loves it there. And um, I do. I really do. I miss the energy. Um, where where I live now is wonderful and very beautiful. We have a lot of music out this way. We're about two hours north of New York City and two hours west of Boston. Hmm. So, um, but still the energy of the Twin Cities, the theater, the music, the dance, it just is really, you know, there's no place like it in the world, I'm convinced. Yes, so absolutely. I absolutely miss it. I really do. It's sort of my, I call it my, one of my homes. I have a few, but Minneapolis I would definitely consider home and, and still have really great friends there that I'm able to um, stay in touch with. So. Well, Lisa, uh, we miss you here, but it's so great to hear your new music. We're going to play the opening track of uh, your Quincy Street EP called Compass, and we'll be back uh, for the whole show tonight with Lisa Michelle Anderson on the Wall of Power Radio Hour.
Welcome back to the second set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest for the whole show tonight, my old buddy, Lisa Michelle Anderson. If you were around in the 90s in the Twin Cities, you remember her as Lisa Wooster. Lisa, let's talk a little bit about uh, when you started to play uh, in Minneapolis, late 80s, early 90s. Boy, that was such a great scene back then, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was incredible. I mean, I just, to this day, I feel, I just feel so fortunate to have been able to, to be part of that time period and all of the great clubs and so many musicians that I was able to collaborate with. You know, I was thinking and kind of laughing how many times I would be asked to sing on other people's records and and we, we would always do sort of big shows, maybe at the entry where there'd be 10 or 20 different groups or solo artists. And it was just such a, for me, such a creative um, point in my life. And I just feel so fortunate. And to this day, I sometimes just think, I just, I still kind of can't believe it. And all the greats, you know, Steve McClellan and Maggie McPherson, you know, letting opening up their doors and embracing local um, independent music. It was really, really and the, incredible. And the great Chrissy Dunlap. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, the list just goes <laughs> on and on and on, right? It just goes on. So, um, and sometimes just, it's just, I don't know, I feel, and a lot of those musical connections I've been able to maintain and that has been a really also nice surprise. You know, it's so easy to get in touch with people and run things by them. And um, a couple years ago, I got to sing at the Silver Teens Christmas. And so, you know, there's just, the list is very long of really wonderful um, music, musician friends and club owners and club managers that just really gave their all to that time period. And I've been, say, I've been saying for years, too, that uh, Twin Cities clubs, we've been so fortunate, not only, as you said, uh, the people that were booking it, running it, owning it, but we also had some of the greatest sounds, sound engineers at every yes. club anywhere. I yes, mean, these guys were really all five-star you, might, you know, Monty Lee Wilkes, Lauren Wicklander, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you could go, boy, the list goes on. Terry Katzman, the yeah. list, uh, the yeah. Batson brothers. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. Now, and the other oh. beautiful thing, Lisa, which I'm sure you remember, is, is, is not only could you, uh, there were so many places to play, but so many places to go and hear music. So tell us some of your mm-hmm. great memories of, of concerts and shows you personally witnessed as a fan. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think that my, well, there were so many. And that's another thing is that my family sort of chuckles because if anyone mentions any fantastic group or musician and they sort of look at me and they just know that I probably, I probably got to see them. <laughs> I, I honestly think I honestly think I went out every single night of the week to oh, hear yeah. music. I'm really not kidding. And, um, well, probably my all-time favorite show I saw was... Um, well, Leonard Cohen, um, that to me was, uh, and you were there oh, with the me and other friends. That, yes. I also got to see um, uh, Johnny Cash and, and June came out and played with him and sang with him. Um, 
gosh, Lucinda Williams, um, Peter Case, the list just goes on. Katie Lang, you know, just yeah. goes on and on and on. And um, it was really fun. It was really, well, it's so inspiring, too. So, and then also just a lot of the great local bands, you know, the oh 27 Darius and Lori Ray and um, anytime Cindy Lawson would play. Uh, Rhea Valentine. Rhea Valentine, boy, that's the name I haven't heard in a uh, while. I know, right, right. Um, Wendy Lewis, whenever Wendy would sing. Right. I'm, just, I'm there, I'm the number one fan. And what? And um, how about Walt Mink? Walt Mink, Farm Accident. Yeah, I mean, Farm Accident, one of the greatest names of all time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rifle Sport. Rifle Sport. Run Westy Warren. Yeah. I mean, it just goes on and on. So um, it wasn't just sort of the big big names, but the local groups I was huge fans of, and so whenever a favorite was playing, I would just definitely be there, so um, very, very special sort of on-fire times for music in the Twin Cities, definitely. Our guest, formerly the artist known as Lisa Wooster, now uh, Lisa Michelle Anderson with her great new EP called Quincy Street EP, Uh, she has shared the stage and recorded with... uh, Folks that we know here in town, Adam, Adam Levy, uh, Sky Smead, check him out. That's uh, Lisa's brother. And uh, Cindy Lawson, you met, uh, uh, you just mentioned her, Larry Ray. Uh, and, of course, let's talk a little bit about Peter Himmelman because Peter and I used to rub shoulders back in the day. When did you work with Peter? Did you record with him? Well, we did. I did not get to record with him, but there was a, there was a show. You might have even been there, Paul. He was playing in the entry. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Lori and I might have opened for him. Okay. And and then he sort of called us up on the stage. So we all got it back up on the stage and sang with him. And then he sort of led everyone down to Lake of the Isles. Right. So, I, about, I, you know, I, I right. wasn't there, but that was a legendary show. Keep, tell the folks about that. That was... Uh, Stuff of Lauren. Yeah, he just started playing, and people would just sort of, you know, sort of like we're all heading out. Everyone sort of jumped in their cars, and and I felt that things like that would happen frequently. You know, you could see Ben Harper in a funny little coffee shop in Dinky Town. Right. You know, it was just because they played the entry. He had played the entry, and then he's like, "Well, let's go play another place." Like people just sort of wanting to keep playing. So if you would just sort of hang. <laughs> If you sort of hang long enough, you would find out where the next show was going to be. And it was usually something that was, like, not planned. So um, that was my, my fantastic experience with Peter. But I just remember he was like, get back up here. And we were like, okay, you know. We just jumped right back up on stage. So, um, But fit. there were so many there were so many magical moments like that for me that um, – if you were just sort of open to it, that would happen. My uh, and, my friend um, Leah Nesbitt, who uh, uh, lives down in Red Wing now, uh, tells a great story about seeing Sean Colvin busking at on uh, at Hennepin and uh, right in Uptown on, on Hennepin and and, uh, oh and Lake Street. Yeah. Hey, we've oh got uh, Lisa Michelle Anderson. We're going to listen to another uh, track off a great new record. It's the title track. It's called Quincy Street, and we'll be back with Lisa for the whole show tonight on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. Five, two, one, three, four. 
Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. My guest for the whole show tonight, my old buddy, formerly known as Lisa Wooster. Now it's Lisa Michelle Anderson. She's got a great new record out. That uh, tune that took us out of the second set, Quincy Street. Tell us about that, Lisa. So um, Quincy Street is the name of the street that I grew up on in small town, southeast Kansas. When I was younger, and um, it's a very long street that runs east-west um, in the, this town. And it wasn't the best part. Really, wasn't just the street, but it was more about the large group of young friends that we would all kind of run up and down the street and ride our bikes and and just you know it was a time we were you know young teens. We didn't have sort of the you know adult. Um, responsibilities of adulthood, and I think that one of the nicest things since I've released this album is that so many people from that town remember that time period and are just so excited about the song because a lot of the young people didn't really live on Quincy Street, but it was a place that people would gather, but it was more sort of the um, the story of that time mm-hmm. of just sort of being out until, you know, maybe dinner time or actually part of the lyrics or when the sun went down. And, and we would just, I just kind of remember running all the time. You know, we never really walked any. We just kind of ran. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Places no one drove go, cars. You know, we were all that age of, you know, no no driving cars at that point. We were all a little bit too young, so it was either bikes or, you know, uh, <laughs> running. So, um, but that just, I think that the whole theme of this album, it really does have sort of that small town, rural, summertime sort of nostalgia. And, you know, putting together the album, I really just kept sort of ha- hearing this one grouping of songs that would sort of represent that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's sort of how that came about. <laughs> how do you feel, because uh, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, a lot of my songs uh, deal with with those formative years in your life, the teenage years, you're first falling in love, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to the big city yeah. for the first time, you're learning stuff. Now, you're raising your son who's uh, 16 years old. How do you mm-hmm. feel uh, as a parent raising a, a teenager in this time compared to that time? Well, um... 
it is definitely different, but it's probably very similar in, in other ways. And I think that, you know, the one thing that we try to do is really keep communication open and talk about things. And, um, you know, I try really hard not to sort of think, say things like, yeah, I had to walk a mile to school in the snow and things like that. <laughs> um, you know, I try really hard not to say things like that. Right. But, um, you know, I think that being really open, because these are definitely tricky times for all kinds of reasons, especially right now. Mm-hmm. So I feel fortunate that I was raised in a very liberal family and how my parents raised me to not have hate or, you know, to, but to be respectful of people from all over, no matter your your religion, your gender, color of your skin. And so I think that we're trying really hard to do that with him and um, and just be very open and that he could always tell us anything or talk to us about anything. And I, I think for my parents... Um, I I feel that we can sometimes model maybe what our parents did or didn't do right. So, um, or try not to, or try to be a little bit different than maybe Mm -hmm. they were. And maybe we weren't so open. But I remember kind of getting into trouble a few times growing up. And my mom was, she was better about it than I thought ever thought she would be. But you know, so it's just talking it through. And we're all learning as teens, and we were all learning, and he's learning, and his friends are learning. And there's some things you're going to do that, you know, right. <laughs> you, just, you just hope that we always say, you know, use your head, use your brain, you know, think it through. So, um, but, you know, I think that, um, and we live in a very kind of rural place, so it's similar where we sort of live in the middle of the woods. And growing up, I, I grew up in this, first of all, in a little tiny town. I did change that dramatically, but... Um, so there are definitely some similarities of his of his youth. So now, going back to your biography, and uh, you're raised by your mother, who started a position with the Foreign Service. Now, yeah. when I read things like that, I usually go, "She was a spy. She worked for the CIA." What What did your mom do? <laughs> well, it's so funny. She wasn't. First of all, um, she was a very. My mother never went to college. But she was a very, very good secretary, as in typist, mm-hmm. and shorthand, and she had great organizational skills. Hey, and, I'm fifty. I'm one um, of the proudest. One of the things I'm most proud of. Sorry for jumping yeah. in here. You're talking. No, to, okay. You're talking to fifty-two words a minute here. Uh, See, thanks to Mrs. Krause. That's probably the <laughs> That's best right. thing I ever learned in high school. That it kept with me is my typing yes. skills. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And my mom always wanted to go somewhere. She was raised on a little farm in Nebraska. She would sit on her front porch and dream of the day that she could go somewhere. And she ended up getting the opportunity to travel quite a bit. Um, When my parents were divorced, um, money was tight. Someone had sent her an application for the Foreign Service. They were looking for secretaries, basically people that had good communication skills and organizational skills. She haphazardly filled out the application, and, and like literally one month later, we get a call. We're in southeast Kansas. I remember the call on the yellow phone, and <laughs> and they said, we're sending you 
to Australia, and we just wow, we were sort of jumped up and down, and it was just it was incredible. So she was a real survivor, and um, she had the gift of gab. She could really talk to anyone, and um, she just thrived and, and loved her work. And but she was not a spy. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> spy in the house of love. <laughs> now is she still with us? No, she passed away just this March. So, oh, my deep, um, my deepest yeah. condolences. Yeah, it was. Thank you, but it also shows sort of the time we're in with the pandemic. My sister and I were not able to go there. Oh. So she, um, you know, she had a peaceful passing, and um, so you know. What, what we're all going through, it affects us in many different ways, not just for people that end up getting COVID, but right. um, it, it affected our ability to go there and be with her. So, um, But she, we also knew in our hearts that she would always want us to be safe, and, and it's what we all want for each other is right. to be safe during these sort of times, these turbulent times. So, Did she get to hear any of the new yeah. record? She did not, but she was, you know, my probably number one fan. Um, And, um, you know, I think that both my parents were always very supportive of me playing music, creating art. My father was an artist, so I kind of had that in the family, this sort of experimenting and being creative was sort of smiled upon. It was never frowned upon. <laughs> you know, I, so. I, my rule of thumb for years, Lisa, is that I see uh, most male musicians are mama's boys and most fem- female musicians are daddy's girls. But it sounds like you had a little bit of love from daddy and mommy. I did. I really did. And um, it's funny because years later I feel that, well, I feel like my music was the first thing that came out. And then as I've gotten older... I'm also a metalsmith, so the art side has come out and the visual side. So I really love having both. I think it's a great combination. And I think a lot of people I know that are musicians also have that other side of the artistic or the visual in all kinds of ways, be it putting together a a video or helping design your own, do your own artwork for mm-hmm. your CD or album cover. So um, I think that that's a real gift, and it was really it was really supported in my family. So I, I'm, I've been for since I was a kid a frustrated cartoonist, um, which oh. is something. Yeah, I've I've got a couple of characters I'm working on. I'm thinking about bringing uh, uh, my. Noam de, uh, Noam de Plume in high school uh, was Bernie Scribble. Those were kind of my stoner writings for the high school newspaper, <laughs> but I might have to bring Bernie Scribble back. But, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Lisa because you design and fabricate sterling silver jewelry, and uh, yeah, yeah. your stuff can be found, like, all over New England. If people wanted yeah. to uh, order some stuff, do you have a website you could tell us about? Yeah, so that just is under uh, lisaandersonstudio.com. And I've been, the funny thing is I started making jewelry when I was back in the Twin Cities, but I didn't, I didn't really publicize it very much. And I would sometimes go off and do an art show during the day, like on a Saturday, and then I'd Zoom home and 
throw my guitar in the car and run down to the 400 and jump on stage. So I've been doing it for a long time. But I would say for the, the past few years, I've, I've sort of improved on my skills and, and really pushed um, sort of forward even more so with my jewelry making and designing. So it's been, it's been really great. Lisa Michelle Anderson, you're a woman of many talents. We're going to listen to another track off uh, your new record, Quincy Street EP, and then have you on for one more set on the wall of Power Radio Hour. And we'll talk about it uh, after the break. But let's listen to Lisa Michelle Anderson and her great song, This Place is Summer. Traveling on I-35 and I was free Sounds so hot you could hardly breathe Corn tall you couldn't see Fireflies when the sun goes down Set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We opened uh, this set with a song called Train Car Love, and uh, we're going to have Lisa Michelle Anderson, the artist who sang it, tell us about that, and then she's going to talk about uh, the song that we ended the third set with, This Place of Summer. Let's talk about this song, Train Car Love, Lisa. You didn't write that, did you? <laughs> Well, I did not. That was the only song on the album that I did not write. Um, my very good friend, John Clark, um, we've been playing music together for many years. We were in the band Bell Engine together. 
he um, wrote this song a couple of years ago, and we did a little sort of home studio recording of it, and I just really fell in love with it. And I kept saying that and thinking that to kind of tie it up with a bow that I just always knew that Train Car Love should come at the very end. It's a very short song. Um, some people are saying, why don't you just make it a little bit longer? And I'm like, no, I just want it. It's just so sort of short, and it just leaves you wanting more. And I've always kind of loved the, the idea of that mm-hmm. um, with music. And um, it's a, a great sort of bluesy number. It came together incredibly fast in the studio, almost sort of like, oh, did we just finish it? <laughs> it was right. one of those songs, like, how did that happen? So it was a very natural process, and I'm just thrilled that he let me record it. And um, I think it was just a really fantastic song. And sing us how uh, the show is airing in the middle of the summer. The song that ended the yeah. third set, This Place is Summer. Tell us a little bit about that one, too. So um, I still have family that live in Kansas, and um, they. When I was in Minnesota, I would I would often go there to see them because I just loved visiting, and it was just so rural, so different than my life um, of music and working. And um, it would take about ten hours to get there by car, but somehow I would just do it. And it was just, I really wanted to, I wrote down the title of the song many years ago. I think it was actually on a trip when I was driving down there. I just quickly sort of scribbled the title. But Mm -hmm. I didn't finish, I didn't even write the song until this fall. But I think once again, that sort of, the whole album was sort of starting to sound very nostalgic. And that also came together very quickly of basically a description of, what it would be like, what it was like for me to go to the farm in Kansas. And there wasn't a lot to do, but there was also kind of a lot to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my my grandmother, Mary, was um, still living at that point, and there was always, like, coffee going in an old-fashioned percolator. It could be 100 degrees that day, and there was always <laughs> hot coffee. Yeah, you got to have you coffee, know? right. Yeah. My yeah. family was... I want to show my, you know, yeah, make it even hotter, please. Yeah, you know? my family was um, the same way. We yeah. always had uh, right? coffee and finished biscuits, you know, and right. different, yes. you know, my two aunts, they, it was like everybody by, my whole life was, well, who do you like, Auntie Eva's biscuit better than Auntie Ellen's? Right. No, I like Grandma Elna's the best, <laughs> you know, but it was always coffee was always on. I totally get it. Right. And the oven would be going and baking bread <laughs> and it was just so hot. But it was just sort of like that, and, you know, and then you'd, like, you'd go down to the pond, or you'd hop on your bike, or, you know, someone would get on the horse. And yeah. So it always felt like it wasn't, you know, I mean, when, when the sun went down, you would kind of just go to bed, right. you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, the town, you know, really suffered because, you know, with malls and the big, the big pop-up stores, yeah. you know. The little towns just really suffered, so um, there really wasn't much left in the town, but, but it was a really special, very special memories. There's a lot of that family is still living down there, so we get back there when we can, and it's sort of, 
is kind of the same, but it's really it's beautiful in its own way. What what um, town is so it? So this song is really about that. What? They live outside of um, a little town called Chanute. Okay. So it's once again it's about two hours, two and a half hours south of Kansas City. Cool. Uh, Lisa Michelle Anderson, how can we uh, uh, track down that great new record of yours? So you can go to my website, which is lisamichelleanderson.com. I'm also on iTunes, um, Spotify, Bandcamp, YouTube, (laughs) all of the great streaming services. So. Um, and also on Bandcamp, if you if for people that still love an old fashioned CD, you can also order a CD, and that will get mailed to you also. Yeah, I just bought a new computer. There's no CD player in there. I buy a new car. There's no well, CD player. Well, that's true, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well. You can buy a special device for that. Yeah, I know. I actually had to do that because I've got, I've got about 3,000 CDs, 2,500 albums. Oh, I know. And, and it's still I, my it, favorite way to listen or an album. My yeah, favorite ahead. is still cassettes. I think the oh, cassette gosh. is the most durable form uh, in terms of music in the last 100 years, and I stand by it. Hey, we've got 30 seconds left, Lisa. What, okay. Uh, are you planning to, to doing touring uh, play by when it's time to get out there again? Where, where can Absolutely, we see and I was all ready to go, you know, when this was released, and then, but that's okay. So I think instead, what I'm trying to work on is the next project. Um, if we can social distance and start working on music, that's my goal is to start working on the next album right now, so that when things open back up, you know, I'll have another album and. Um, we can we can see everyone and hug everyone again. I can't wait. Lisa, this has been just incredible. Uh, getting caught up with you again. Your new record, Quincy Street yeah. EP, is lovely. And you tell your buddies, uh, Johnny, Irion, and Shirley Guthrie, I'd love yeah. to have them on the radio show, too. Oh, that sounds great. I'll definitely let them know. All right. Well, you have a, a, a great you, uh, rest of the summer, and uh, I love your new record. Thank you, Paul. Take care. We'll talk soon. You too, Lisa. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show is produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Patrick Billia, recorded in the basement of the AM950 studios in Eden Prairie, which is neither Eden nor a prairie. We'd like to thank our guest, Lisa Michelle Anderson. Get her record, Quincy Street. EP. It's great. You want to find out what I'm up to and support the show? Go to paulmetza.com. That's Metza, M-E-T-S-A, like the New York Mets with an A at the end. I've got a Venmo account, a PayPal account. I'm working on a Patreon account. In the meantime, we hope everybody is staying safe but still having fun out there. Mask up, wash your hands, be a good citizen, and like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.